you are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're going to hear part two of my conversation with ESPN Kansas City host Sterling Holmes. So check that out right now on yesterday's show. We talked with him all about this season and all about this offseason. Now we're going to transition into what to expect from this year's team and why we're both so optimistic about what this team can be. Yeah, I think that this year will be a lot of fun watching the Royals play as long as they can you know, just put together a good season. And, and to me, the, the, you know, measurement of how good they are is not really the win losses. Like it's going to be like a feel for, for the game of were they in every game? Were they competitive every single game? You know, did the ball just, you know, if the ball bounces their way differently in games 81 and games 74 and games 89, would they have been a playoff team where they've been you know, closer to that playoff mark? I think that that alleviates a lot of pressure too, from Andrew Benatendi, not that, to say that, you know, the, the Boston media got to him, but there is a part of that. I mean, if the Royals aren't good, then people don't talk about the Royals and people don't criticize the Royals. If the Royals are really good, then they praise the Royals as if they're the best team in baseball. So, so the media here is a lot different than we dealt with in Boston, which helps him a lot. And, and Khalil Lee, I'm high on him. The most people are high on him. Most people do not even see a big leader whenever they see Khalil Lee, but he was your top 10 prospect in this system. He's 22 years old. Right. Andrew Benatendi is 26. It's not exactly, again, even the Cordero comparison, but even the Khalil Lee comparison. It's not like you're trading in a 22 year old kid for some dinosaur. You're trading in a kid for a kid. It's the, it's the matter of fact of which kid will turn out better. And I think that for my money, you have to bet on the guy that's done it before. I don't necessarily buy into the whole, you're bringing in a World Series champion to the locker room because I think that Kansas City you know, already has that with Salvador Perez and, and Carlos Santana even has been to a World Series. I don't really think that it brings anything in the culture sense, but in the baseball sense of replacing the left fielder, Alex Gordon, and, and getting this team better, I think it accomplishes that without question. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think that championship caliber, the leadership thing's a little silly. Again, he's 26. You know the leaders on this team. Your leaders are Salvador Perez, and Whit Merrifield, those are those are basically your two leaders. That that and Danny Duffy, Th- those are your guys. Those are your veterans. The dudes have been in Kansas City for a long time. Uh, they've been through it. Uh, you know, obviously, what kind of came after the, the the quote unquote glory days. But I would say to me, those are your leadership guys. That's who people are going to be looking up to. That's what I and, and Carlos Santana. You're right. I mean, Santana's been around the, the MLB for a long time. I, he he's had a cup. He, he's had a pot of coffee in the major leagues. He's had a cup. He's had a pot. He's had a whole, whole damn Folgers pot over here. The whole, con- okay. you know, those Folgers containers, the whole can, you know, that, that you give like nine ninety nine. That's what he is. That's, that, that's his time in the majors. Look, I think that, you know, the, the off season is complete there. And I mean, it wraps up with Benatendi. I think that there's still some moves that they could make if they can add a legitimate reliever, like a Trevor Rosenthal, then it, it, it gets me even more excited because it then helps you cover up some of this, the back end of this rotation, and it helps you, you know, cut Duffy starts down to five inning starts or six inning starts because I just don't trust any Duffy to go longer than five innings. It helps you do that and accomplish that with the bullpen if, if the bullpen can continue the success that they had last year. But even if they don't make the Trevor Rosenthal move, then it's still going to be a fun competitive team and a good bullpen. So I'm excited about this team. I want to real quick go back to last year before we talk about this year's expectation. Do you buy into 
the September of last year. They had a six-game winning streak in that month. They were 500 in September. They were only 200, 500 in July. And then, of course, August just killed them. But Mike Matheny was talking about how, you know, last year they felt like they just ran out of time. They felt like they were finally meshing together, playing well together. And you saw that on the field in September. Do you believe that September is kind of more so what this Royals team is, or are they closer to August? I think more so to an extent. Again, we talked about Salvador Perez. Dude's not going to bat, what, like 360 with a home run seemingly every third at bat. Like, I don't think that's completely realistic, but I think you also got to realize guys like Mondesi, I think, has, you know, superstar potential. I, I think Dozier's going to bounce back more because Dozier had, I think, a struggle for most of last year. I think Jorge Soler, getting him healthy, that's a big, big deal because he was hurt almost the entire last year. So I think it's probably closer, that that solid stretch. That's more realistic to me. You have the young pitchers. They have more innings under their belt. Again, a lot more young guys will be getting called up. So they'll have to take their lumps like every single pitcher does. But I think it's more realistic. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that, you know, Mondesi eventually has to just – turn it around for a whole season like he does this every year he, he always has a, a good start I mean a, a bad start and a good finish to his seasons eventually that has to be who he is the Hunter Dozier point is a very good one and it's one that I've really taken to heart I think that you know Perez regresses a little bit but Dozier improves a lot you know he was dealing with all that stuff last year I think that you know Whit Merrifield's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball as he always is and you kind of just can mark that down I think that what this team can do ultimately depends on Mike Matheny and depends on what kind of lineups he wants to put out there. If he's going to value defense so much and put Michael A. Taylor and Nicky Lopez in every lineup. And I've, I have been one of Nicky Lopez's biggest fans on this podcast, but the, the guy can't hit right now at the big league level. He's a hell of a defender, but you, you can't really have two black holes in your lineup on top of the unknown quantity of Montessi who very well could be a black hole. And for the most part of last year was a black hole in the lineup. I think that if you maximize this lineup the very best you can, then this team can be a really good one because I do like a lot of their pitching staffs and I do like a lot of their lineups. So talking about that lineup, I hear a lot of people you know, saying, oh, well, the, the Benatendi signing, it solidifies this lineup. You can go one through seven and it's just going to be a, a great lineup. And obviously in the springtime, you're going to have way more optimism than any other point throughout a baseball season. But for me, I'm not ready to just go ahead and say this lineup is going to be electric. I think it's going to be fun. And there's going to be a world out there where you can sit back and say, you know what, if Carlos Santana has a bounce back here, if Jorge Soler has a bounce back here, if Raul Mondesi has a bounce back here, if, if Andrew Benatendi has a bounce back here, if all that happens, then they're going to be really good. Hunter Dozier has a bounce back here. Counting on five bounce back years does not necessarily make me say in February that you have a legitimate one through seven lineup and you have a, a long lineup. There's a possibility that you do, but it's not for certain just yet. And so where are you at one to 10 confidence level in this lineup? Are you at a seven where I'm at? I think that I'm well below 10 where a lot of people are. I, I'm, I still think it's not gonna be a terrible lineup. It's not gonna be the August lineup we saw last year, but I think it's gonna be, gonna be about a seven competitive every single night can win you some games. If they're all hot at the same time, they can pass the line just like they did in the old days and keep the line moving and, and be a good little lineup. I'm at a seven right now. One to 10, what's your confidence level at with this lineup? At the one through seven spots, I would probably say about a nine. If you're going one through nine, I would say at a seven, because like you said, Nicky Lopez and Michael Taylor. Um, maybe I, I, and maybe I'm blinded by Mondesi and the tantalizing talent. I think he could be 35 and be doing this for 10 more seasons. And I'm sitting there going, but what about Mondesi? Like, that's where I feel like I'm out with him. I don't know why I'm just so drawn 
to his tools, but I am. I think even if Montessi struggles, I think teams are still somewhat scared. I wouldn't say scared. I would say have to take into account what he can do based on his speed, based on his power, especially for his size. I think pitchers still have to take into account. And he walked more last year. That was something I think went a little under the radar. He, he had more walks than he previously did. If he can continue to grow on, on his walks, and I, and I think Mike Matheny has helped with his entire team. I think Mike Matheny has done a phenomenal job. I was, I'll be the first to admit, I was pissed when we signed Mike Matheny. I'd go, what the, what the bleep are we doing? You know, he was bad with young guys. This is a young team. Mike Matheny is in a phenomenal job. We need to give him more credit for learning from his past mistakes and diving more into the analytics and getting into all this. Because Mike Matheny has done a complete 180 from what he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. So I think that needs to be talked about more. But one through seven, probably about a seven. Or one through nine, probably about a seven. I think I'm, I'm with you there. There are a lot of question marks. But this is one of the best Royals lineups we've seen probably since what, 2016? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a really good lineup if everything goes their way. And so on the lineup point, real quick, Whit Merrifield, do you want to play second base or want to play in the outfield? Because I want Whit Merrifield, even as this huge Nicky Lopez fan, I want Whit Merrifield playing second base because it just helps you maximize a lineup because it gets Edward Livieris, who's one of your best hitters last year, into the lineup. And it keeps Michael A. Taylor in there, which I don't like Michael A. Taylor. I think that you know, he's a hell of a defender, obviously, but if you're a great defender, but one of the, if not the very worst hitters in baseball, it levels you out to a very average player. And I'd rather have an average player be at least competent at the plate. And so I, I think that if you want to keep Michael A. Taylor in there, it's going to, it's going to be a trade-off either wet plays second base and Taylor's in there or wet plays outfield and Nicky Lopez is in there. But I think you have to pick one because if you have both of them in there, then this lineup gets very bad unless Nicky Lopez can can find his stroke because all hope is lost for the 30-year-old Michael A. Taylor. He's not going to turn around his hitting. So it's up to Nicky Lopez, and it puts immense pressure on Nicky Lopez to get better at the plate and to improve there throughout spring training. And last year, he's on the Merrifield diet before the spring training just absolutely got crushed by the pandemic. So maybe he can do the same thing this year and, and hit the ball well as he did last year. Had a lot of hard line drives in spring training. If he can do that, then we'll see what happens there. But I, I, for me... I went with Merrifield at second base. Where are you up with with Merrifield? Yeah, you can't have, in my opinion, I think they're going to try it, but I don't think you should have both Nicky Lopez and Michael Taylor in the lineup. Like you said, those are are two black holes. Uh, An underrated thing that I wouldn't mind seeing happen is move with Merrifield to second base, move Hunter Dozier to left field, move Ben Attendee to center, and guess what? Who's Who's a free agent? who is an absolute doubles machine, and I think I, I wouldn't mind seeing back Michael Franco. Uh, if you want to maximize a little bit offensively, bringing Franco back and doing a little rearranging with positions, I don't think that's the worst decision in the world. Between Benatende and Franco, you, you're probably looking at about, what, 80 doubles between the two? You know, I, I wouldn't mind a little reunion there on a cheap deal. I think it's potentially possible. I know it's probably a little bit of a pipe dream, but I don't know what you think about that type of move, just to solidify the offense, give you one more guy, one through eight, who can uh, who can rake a little bit. Look, if I was building the team, I would be all in for that move. Just it's it's we just both know that's not a Kansas City move. They to do that, they they would be rolling over at Coffin Stadium if they if they just discredited defense that much. They would just they would just feel appalled at themselves. For some reason, they think that building a winning team means defense. And I'm not really sure it does in this day and age, but they're just stuck in that mindset of focusing more on defense than hitting. 
I think you got to score runs. I mean, saving runs is all fine and well, but if you save runs while allowing five home runs and you can't produce any runs, you're not going to win very many games. And there's not a lot of times where you do have the extraordinary play. I mean, there's not a lot of, a lot of chances. Most balls are not going to take extraordinary effort to get to anyway. So you're kind of preparing for this maybe once a game, if you're lucky, once a game usually about four times a week type of scenario here. Whenever you're always, every single game, every single inning, going to need hitters that can produce runs and and get on base and and do all those great things. And I just, for me, I don't value defense as much as they do, but I I would love that decision. I just don't think it'll happen. I want to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website today to use their promo code or promo code locked on. You will receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You're going to get 50% of a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on. Promo code locked on, betonline.ag, betonline, your online sportbook experts. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago was a madhouse on the internet, but you could have been going to rockauto.com and buying all the parts your car would ever need at rockauto.com. Skip the upcharge. That's what they're going to do to you if you go to a dealership. If you go to a chain auto parts store, they're going to upcharge you. Skip all of that with rockauto.com. Family-owned business serving you online for 20 years. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars, and that might sound strange, but because I know nothing about cars, all I have to do is put my make, put my model, put my year into their database, and in that database, they're only going to show me parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting money on parts I don't need, parts I cannot use, and all that jazz. So go to rockauto.com, and when you get there, Tell them Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and they'll know what to do from there. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will need, RockAuto.com. I want to tell you about our good friends over at Locked On today. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day off with the sport news that matters most in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah, because, again, I don't think it's going to happen either, but that's where I'm at. It's, do you think someone like that, just for example, do you think Franco's offense is worth more runs uh, than his defense? And do you think that that you know comparison is worth more than Nicky Lopez or Michael Taylor's defense compared to their, off- to their offense? Do, do you think that where the run saved compared to their, you know, uh, their war or negative war offensively, where that evens out. And that's a, a whole analytics debate that you probably need to get into with someone who has better numbers than myself, someone who's better at math uh, than my than myself, someone who failed, you know, business calc in college. So had to take that bad boy twice. But again, that, that's where I think the numbers need to be crunched. And honestly, this Royals team is moving more in that analytics direction. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least, took a look, you know, analytically at something along those lines. Yeah. I think that for me, I absolutely would rather have you be a negative in the field than a negative at the plate. It's frustrating for sure. If an error costs you a run, but 
even with Franco last year, how, how many runs did he cost you defensively? I mean, I, I remember a couple of balls going off his chest that were really bad in Cleveland. It, 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 it leveled out, right? It was really bad on defense at the first couple of weeks, right? The opening weekend when a lot of people are watching was really bad. His defense leveled out and it didn't really hurt you. It all came out in the wash. It was all kind of average defensively. It never really cost you a game, but his, his offensive ability really helped you win a lot of those games that you won. So I, I would love him back and, and love to make that happen. But there's been a ton of talk about Hunter Dozier just playing exclusively third base this year. So I, I think that it'd kind of be unfair to him if, if he spent all winter preparing for third base and then all of a sudden in surprise. And at this point, it'd be a signing like tomorrow or, or Thursday, hypothetically, all of a sudden Thursday, he gets the surprise and now he's going to go back to the outfield and figure out how, how to get better defensively out there. <laughs> I think that in a dream world, it won't be the show. I would love to do it, but not right now, just given what they've done to Hunter Dozier already, who I really like, and I don't want to continue to mess with and tinker with. I want him to get some stability. and I want him to be able to feel comfortable in that role. So you're talking about surprise and surprise. I get that. That's all right. That was a bad pun. Yeah. Um, just, just a quick, again, just, just, oh, look at you over there with the little, little drums. Uh, I, I'm proud of you. You're quick with the, with the trigger finger over there. Uh, just looking it up quickly, though, with, with Franco, his offensive wins of replacement in that shortened last year of 60 games was 1.1, and his D-war was actually just zero. So he was very average defensively. I mean, 0.0. He didn't hurt you, and he actually helped you offensively. So there you go if you want to take a quick little look at that. That's my little analytics deep dive tidbit for you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quick dive. Not even a deep dive, a shallow dive. Shallow yeah. dive. I love when the analytics the the eye test. I had no idea what the analytics were on his defensive, you know, measurements for Michael Franco. But I mean, just watching him, it felt like it leveled out. It felt like it was really bad at the start. He got better as the year went on, and he was a combat defender at the end that wouldn't really cost you. What is the biggest source of excitement for you heading into this year? Because for me, it's the fact that I promise you, by March 29th, whenever the team leaves Surprise and they head back to Kauffman Stadium. By the time April 1st rolls around against the Texas Rangers, I promise you that everyone who's even remotely interested in Royals baseball will talk themselves into this team being a wildcard spot. And it will not have to take a pie-in-the-sky theory. It can just be legitimately, okay, I believe in Carlos Santana. I believe in Jorge Soler. I believe in Mondesi. I believe in Andrew Benatendi. All guys who you can make a strong case for believing in, if they all come together and they all have those bounce-back years, this team will be a wildcard team. What's the likelihood of it, of all of them at the exact same time, snapping out of their funk and, and turning it around as a player? Who knows? It's probably a low percent chance, but it, it's still a chance. And there's still optimism and there's still an ability to truly win a wildcard spot going back to the division of, look, the White Sox on paper should run away with this division, in my opinion, but they have a terrible manager and they have an old manager that might not mess with their clubhouse. The Tigers have a good manager in AJ Hinch, but still a new manager with AJ Hinch and, and a young team that is not quite ready yet and have not even made the moves that the Rose have made to improve their team. So I kind of write off the Tigers a little bit. Cleveland has all this turnover. They're losing Lindor. They're losing Carrasco. I mean, they've had all this turnover. Their lineup is not very good anymore. I don't, I kind of write them off as, for, as a fourth place team. And then Minnesota is going to be Minnesota. So that's kind of the one team that has stability a little bit as they bring back Nelson Cruz. But I think that in this division, with the common opponents you're going to have to play this year, I think that the Rose by the end of spring training will be in the conversation for a wild card spot. And it could be a lot of people whenever they write those articles about the dark horse teams, they could find themselves at the end of spring training on those dark horse articles. And that's so exciting for me to be able to head into this year. Thanks to this ownership group as a, 
optimistic fan of no longer looking at only development. You're looking at development and winning. But where are you so excited about with this team? Yeah, and I'm with you there. I guess a 80-win season is what I think is realistic. I think finishing in third in the AL Central is realistic, and I'm excited about that. I think Mike Matheny, seeing his growth year over year, uh, is going to be very exciting. I mean, he, he, he loved doing the matchup with the, with the bullpen, and I think that was fantastic. The, the way he was able to match up with the bullpen, put your best pitchers against the best hitters, is something that strays from the old tropes, the typical, you know, seven, eight, nine inning guys. And I think that was powerful. I think we'll see more growth uh, analytically from him. I think we'll see hopefully more fastballs up in the zone as we've learned more that guys who pitch up in the zone, especially fastballs and O2 counts have more success and we'll stop seeing, um, you know, the old trope of keeping the ball down in the zone as when you dive into the numbers, uh, that's not the best strategy. As far as players go, I think Ben Attendee and Mondesi are the easy answers, but I want to see Salvador Perez. Uh, I'll go with the, with, the, with the, you know, someone that we don't really talk about that much. I, I want to see if he can actually continue his torrid stretch from last year. I'm not saying to the same extent, but if he can bat 280, maybe hit 25 home runs, I would like to see that. And, and we can see how much longer he stays in Kansas city, because if he bats around 280 with 25 home runs for how many seasons, maybe we look at an outside chance for the hall of fame. I, I, I know I'm dreaming here, but you know, just I think, to me, a shot. I think it's a shot. If he can continue to hit this way. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, I think there's a shot. I think it's an outside shot, but we haven't had anyone like that in a long time. Just to me, this team has so many talking points, so many fun aspects. You didn't have to trade Whit Merrifield or Salvador Perez to get Andrew Benatende. Uh, you still got to keep Danny Duffy where maybe his play is not as great as it once was, but he's still a, you know, a fan favorite. This team has all the makings of a fun team, a good team, a growing team, and all three of those aspects make this team uh, just, to me, one of the most fun teams we've had to watch since 2015. Yeah. My optimism comes from just the, the hope that you can have. And then yours has a lot of different players in it, but what, what's your biggest fear this season? Because my biggest fear is that none of the guys bounce back. Like literally none of them bounce back. And you are just looking at a terrible team that finishes like fourth and a distant fourth or even fifth in this division. If I had to pinpoint one player, my biggest fear is Mondesi. Cause I feel like with Mondesi, if he does not have a consistent year and does not produce start to finish if he has another year where he's just got awful for 90 percent of the year but has a good last month to give you a little hope going to next year he has a good last month then it's it's time to consider moving on from him you know especially after 2022 because i just don't see how he's ever going to put it together if he cannot do it this year he has all the protection he's going to get in this lineup he has everything he can possibly need skill set wise he has the tools he has the defense he has the players to protect him in the lineup He's got to do it this year. It's all on him this year. He has 162. He's going to have a full spring training, God willing. It's up to him at this point. And I think that that's my biggest fear is that what we saw in September will not be legitimate. And I really hope it is. That's my biggest fear this year is that it's not. So that would have been mine with Mondesi, but I'll go and say Hunter Dozier. Because if Hunter Dozier struggles this year, and basically he has that one great stretch, you know, what, a season and a half or so, where he was really good, you know, would that have been a flash in the pan? Would Hunter Dozier – Yeah, but would, would we have been putting too much stock in a guy who hasn't done it consistently? Because if he regresses or if he bounces back – because he, he wasn't some, like, hot shot prospect, you know? He wasn't some guy that everyone had a 
ton of hope for. Um, so if he has a bad season this year, I think that'd be a, a huge wrench in the Royals' plans moving forward. Because I think the Royals were counting on Hunter Doja to produce for this year, but obviously for the future. So I, I think that could be something to keep an eye on as well. That would be a, a disaster as far as uh, in my eyes. What's your most interesting or under the under the radar storyline? For me, I'm going to go under the radar. And, and I think that you mentioned Danny Duffy there. Danny Duffy has been his best self and his best version of him as a pitcher has came in the bullpen. And I think midway through this season, if Daniel Lynch gets ready in the minor leagues or if Asa Lacey gets ready in the minor leagues and you're ready to call somebody up and it's the next man up of that rotation, that you could kick Danny Duffy to the bullpen and, and really improve your bullpen and have a really good bullpen to help out with those young pitchers. I think that you have two candidates right there. Minor was really good in the, in the Royals bullpen a couple of years ago. Duffy has been really good in the Royals bullpen. I think you have two candidates to kick to the bullpen and improve both aspects of rotation and improve your bullpen. If Daniel, Daniel Lynch can get ready, if Asa Lacey can get ready, if you're ready to call up another young pitching prospect, that's my storyline to watch for heading into the year. And it'll happen deep in the, in the year, you know, probably towards the all-star break ish area, but where are you at with your most interesting storyline? I think the most interesting storyline, I'm going to, I'm just going to stick with it. I, I think the Mike Matheny growth, I, I think that's where I want to see. I want to see if the young pitchers, if they've actually switched their minor league system up, if they can come up and, and have more an analytically driven uh, approach. I want to see if they can let these young guys be themselves and not force them to throw what sink or curve, whatever, whatever it was that they try in the minors a few years ago, making like all their pitchers throw. Uh, I think that would be very impactful. I want to see how he manages the lineup. I want to see if, uh, the storyline of if Taylor and Nicky Lopez are struggling early, if he's quick to say, you know what, let's try and get more bats in there and not focus so much on defense. I think, I think that to me would be the biggest storyline is how, because we, we've, we see teams like I would say Atlanta, Houston, Tampa Bay, team, teams that are very analytically driven, may not have the most talent outside of Houston, but teams like, you know, the A's and Tampa, and they consistently have success. Why? They're always in the forefront. So if we can see Mike Matheny and his Royals team do that, that to me would be the most intriguing storyline. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely the the way to go with Mike Matheny. And I was with you. I mean, I was so upset whenever they hired Matheny. I thought he was a terrible hire. And I thought that he had a, a little bit of a rough patch to start the year last year, like the opening series in Cleveland. But other than that, he was really good and a really good manager. Now, obviously – Managers are going to get tested in the postseason. That's where they're going to make their their hay. But what we've seen to this point has given me a ton of optimism about Mike Matheny moving forward. Now, I mentioned Daniel Lynch and I mentioned Asa Lacey. This has to be asked on every single Royals podcast. Who is your favorite pitching prospect? Mm, that is... You only get one. And I have staked my claim to Brady, to, uh, Brady Singer. I have staked my claim to him ever since last spring training. I'm all in. Singer's my guy. But where are you at? That probably would have been my guy, but you know what? I'm going to go ace to Lacey. I, I think that's going to be my, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. That way I can't second guess myself. I'm going to stake my claim to Lacey. I, I think he has the stuff. I think he has the makeup uh, of a future ace. I think Brady Singer may top out at a, at a very good two or, or a extremely, uh, extremely good three just based on his stuff. He doesn't have, you know, Brady Singer's not throwing 98. You know, I don't think Brady Singer is going to all of a sudden be throwing 98 and 99 consistently. That's that's my opinion. Maybe he comes out and proves me wrong. 
I think Ace Lacy has the makeup to potentially be a legitimate ace in this league. Well, it is his nickname is Ace, so it'll be interesting to see if Ace <laughs> can, can get that done. But well, let, let's start negative and then go positive. The Royals season is a failure if what happens? It's a failure if Montessi does not show any improvement, if Benatende can't stay healthy, if Salvador Perez drops down to batting 220 without taking walks, if Mike Matheny is a absolute blunder with the bullpen and just sticks with defense first. I think if this team wins less than 70 games, you know, 70 games or less, that would be a disaster. I think that you're right there. And, and Matheny, for as much praise as we've given him, it's it's going to be time here. I mean, he's talked about wanting to win, and it's not just coach speak anymore. It's it's legitimate. This team is is clearly trying to win. They clearly believe that they have a good mix that maybe nationally people don't believe in, but locally people believe in, and, and, and they want to win. So Matheny has to manage every single game to win. It's no longer about exclusively de- developing talent and stuff. Obviously, that's still going to be important this year but you also need to try to win more. And and so how he manages bullpens, how he manages lineups, it's going to be fascinating to watch. So I think that those are all good failures. I think that mine's modesty. I mean, again, I I can't quite put a number on what I want this team to do. Obviously 72 or better is where they should be. But in terms of failure, I think that it's a failure if modesty does not produce because at that point, I'm not sure how you can't give up on him. If he does not produce this year, I'm not sure how with Nick Lofton, with Bobby Witt Jr., I'm not sure how you can't want to move on from Mondesi. So so I think that that would be considered a failure if he's not where he should be. But let's end it with some positivity. This Royals season will be a successful one if they do what? If they win, I think if they win 80, 82 games. I'll go one game above 500, basically. If they, if, if they win 82 games, that would be a, a success. If Montessi shows some sort of consistency, some sort of growth, that would be a success. If, if Benatende, he can bounce back to that 2018, 2017 self, that would be a success. Uh, I think if the young starters come up and we see them – uh, they're not going to all of a sudden be all studs. I get that. They're not all going to have a 2.3 ERA. I don't think there's going to be a Clayton Kershaw coming out of here. But if they can be, be more than respectable, you know, a, a 3.5 to a 4.2 ERA between multiple of those guys, the young guys, that would be a success. Um, and, again, if they can at least, with a week or two left, be in contention for a playoff spot, I think that would be the biggest success. Yeah, I think that I'm going to give them two games either way from 500, either, either two games below, two games above. That's going to be a huge success for me. And again, it goes back to the feel. I mean, if the Chiefs are starting spring, uh, you know, training camp, and if they're starting their preseason, hopefully we're back to normal by then. And all of a sudden, nobody cares one bit about the Royals' season. They've been that bad. That's a huge failure. If the Chiefs start their season off and you're picking to watch the Royals take on a important game in August rather than a Chiefs preseason game week one, then you've really accomplished something. Then you've really done something here. And I think that you're helped out by the Chiefs not winning the Super Bowl yet because you know that's that's not a ton to watch for other than Mahomes. He's only played one series. So I think that if if the Royals are still the talk of the town and the Royals are still heavily involved in the conversation, it's not just all Chiefs, all Chiefs, all Chiefs come August then the Royals have done their job and the Royals have, have achieved what they needed to this year. And then you turn the page next year and you have to make the playoffs. But for this year, I want them to be talk about, you know, being able to be talked about a lot all throughout the year. 
Like, do not give up on them in May. Don't give up on them in July. You have to be able to, to keep them on your radar throughout the entire season. If you do that, and, and if you're on people's radars, even as Mahomes is sitting the pillow around, then you've had a successful year. 100% agree. 100%. Like the Royal storyline, whenever Mahomes gets on the field and, and touches the field for the first time, it cannot be, oh, look, Brady Sigerson on a no-hitter. Like that, that should not be what it takes to get you to talk about the Royals. It just shouldn't be. The Royals have to create this environment for themselves that you want to watch their games night in, night out, over reading about the, the Chiefs training camp updates and Mahomes has thrown five practice interceptions. Like you have to care more about what the Royals are doing at Kaufman in regular season games than you do about what's happening in, in St. Joseph or wherever they're going to have training camp this year. You have to, you just have to have that happen this year. This has to be the year where the Royals do not fall in the back burner. I, I and I think we will see that. I, I truly believe in this team more. So this isn't the year of hope. This is a year of, of, I think, guided hope where you actually have something to hope on it's not saying you need 23 things to go right this is saying okay if 23 things don't go wrong we're we're in a pretty good spot so where are you at with uh, your final prediction the record if you had to nail it down today and the finish in the division and the wild card where are you at so I went with the Royals going 81 and 81. That's my final prediction. I have them going 500. I have them missing the playoffs by a few games, and I have them third in the AL Central behind the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. I think the Cleveland Indians are going to be very, very poor. I think Detroit may be the worst team in the majors record-wise uh, down there with about Baltimore. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think third in the AL Central going 81 and 81. I think that's, that's where I'm at. That's my goal, and that's what I'm, uh, I'm realistically hoping for. So when we revisit this after spring training and we have the, the 26-man roster, I want to see how things have changed because I'm with you. I think that this is a 500 team. They're third in this division. They are in it till the end. They're going to go on, on, on some sort of trip in late September, you know, in early September or late August, and they're going to feel like they have a chance to knock on the door of the postseason. They're going to finish about you know five, six games out of the wild card spot, maybe even three games out of the wild card spot, somewhere in that range. And then next year, it's it's all in. I mean, winter meetings from the get go. You're thinking about the playoffs and you're wondering how you can get in. It'll be easier next year with the expanded postseason, but still, you're going to be wondering how you can get in, and that's going to be the expectation level. It's no longer about hope. It's no longer about development. This is the last year in which you have to hear those phrases. Next year's about contending. Next year's about playing winning baseball. And you're going to see that foundation get laid this year. So a 500 team, a couple games out of the wildcard spot, and you're on track. I think that this year finishes with you heading in the right direction and you heading towards that contention next year. Yeah. No, I think we're on the same page. That's actually fun. It's fun when you're on the same page with some. Absolutely. Sterling, let them know where they can find you on Twitter, the radio, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at HomestretchKC. You can listen to the show, Darren and Sterling, on ESPN Kansas City. I'm on uh, 810 a decent amount, so if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see some tweets of when I'm going to be on 810 WHB. Uh, I do a Chiefs podcast with Matt Connor, um, with, which is Arrowhead Addict, so feel free to take a, uh, take a listen to that. But honestly, just follow me on Twitter, HomestretchKC, and you'll, you'll find all the good stuff, all the good news. There you go. Check them out. Great Chiefs coverage. And then we're going to get the Royals coverage here started up. It's going to be fun to talk about them. I cannot wait to see all of you guys talking about the, uh, the Royals now, even as the Chiefs ramp up eventually for training camp. It's going to be a lot of fun.
No, it's going to be a blast. And by the way, I talk more Royals than probably anyone. So feel free to, to tune in because I'm, I, I'm always talking Royals, at least trying to. Now that's the truth. Sterling's a big baseball fan, big Royals fan. He's not like the rest where they're going to kick the Royals to the side after opening day or make a joke out of talking about the Royals. He's going to do it. He's going to do it for you. Listen to him on, on ESPN Kansas City on 810. Follow him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. I'm Ryland Styles. Be good and be good to another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Royals.